0: Do you love it when God calls you out of your comfort zone? I are out of my comfort zone right now. Give me a guitar. Would Love you too. Thank you. This morning we're going to continue in 1 Peter chapter 4. Our text will be through verses 12 through 19. And then we're going to hold our place there, and we're going to talk about Stephen this morning. The reason is, I have no experience when we're going to talk about persecution this morning. Me and Jeremiah, as we talked this week, thought it was kind of funny that my opening line was going to be, as a white American male Christian, I have no experience when it comes to persecution. Persecution. And that seems to be kind of the, the thing that's being passed around now as a white American male. And uh, as I searched my heart over the last couple weeks preparing this, I realized that um, the reason I do not have experience with persecution is because I'm not pressing into it. So, 1 Peter 4, 12-19, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if righteousness is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing so. So hold that place and go with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 6, verses 8. And we're gonna read a couple chapters on the account of Stephen. Powerful story. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue and the freedmen, as it were called, and to the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those of Sicilicia in Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking then they secretly instigated men who said we have heard him say blasphemous things about moses and god so they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council they set up false witnesses who said this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this jesus of nazareth will destroy this place and will come change the customs that Moses delivered us to. And gazing at him, all who sat in his council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So the high priest said, are these things so? And this is what I find is interesting. Stephen doesn't just give an account. He takes them all the way back, and he begins to tell them the story of how they've got to this place. He entreats them by saying, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into those land which he is now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham, before the father of Isaac, and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs, and the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all the afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all of his household. Now there came a famine throughout all of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all, and Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died. He and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem, and laid him in a tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver, From the sons of Haman and Shechem. But as the time and the promise drew near, which God had granted Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for the three months in his father's house, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptian Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was four years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. After seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his stand his hand, but they didn't understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, men, are you brothers? Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And at this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness on Mount Sinai in a flame and a fire bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he drew near to take a look, there came a voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare look. And then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groanings. And I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent both as a ruler and a redeemer, by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea, And in the wilderness for 40 years, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. And for this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. So they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their own hands. <clears throat> but God turned away and gave them over to worship the hosts of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star you gave to rephim The images you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it. According to the pattern that which he had seen, our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before their fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all of these things? Now this is Stephen back to his brothers and fathers and kindred And when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they, they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, and they rushed, they rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Saul approved of this execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Judea, and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house to house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So in this text, when Peter is writing his disciples... He's warning them to be ready of what's to come. Peter saw firsthand what persecution looks like when Jesus was cast before them in trial. When they whipped his body, when they plucked the beard from his face, when they pressed that crown of thorns on his head, Peter even felt the weight as the crowd and the little girl pressed him about his relationship with Jesus, and he denied him three times. He felt that weight of denial and persecution. I, for one, am thankful that that story doesn't stop there. I believe in that moment that something was happening in Peter's heart, that his resolve was changing and that there was a process of sanctification and purification that was happening inside of his heart. So our first point this morning that we're going to talk about is to not be surprised. This is verse 12. Behold, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Concerning Stephen, it didn't seem like he was surprised at all. And he certainly didn't slink back when he was defending all the accusations that were being brought against him. I still think it's amazing how he went back all the way to the beginning and told him the story from the beginning. Here's where your hearts have become. Our second point is telling us to rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings. How many times have we heard that and been like, whoopee? Let's join in these sufferings. But as we see Stephen, Acts 7.55, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. To believe Scripture when it says in point three that you are blessed, and we get that out of verses 14... If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. See, Stephen was full of grace and power, and he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He was blessed, and he was showing and sharing God's love with the people. I find it really cool that the text adds that, in gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. It was undeniable that the presence of God was on him. And our last point, suffer in a way that you trust your creator. Verse 19, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. It says, and as as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. What I'd like to communicate this morning is there's a process of sanctification and purification that as Christians, we say, we agree, we're going to go through. It means we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit when he's leading and guiding us, in our daily walk. By the power that he's put in us, we are capable of fulfilling that call. That's the only way that we can fulfill this call. So I want to encourage us this morning to say, yes, you have the power to say no to sin, and you have the power to say no to temptation. Yes, spiritual maturity can be produced in you. And yes, If it comes upon you, you will be able to suffer with Christ. And yes, it will be counted to you all joy when these trials come upon you. Expect them. This process of sanctification is the process of what we are going through to mature in our faith. Become spiritual mature, we say. This process will give us the tools or the gifts of the Spirit we need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. Have we considered that persecution is crucial to our walk with christ the term used here in our text in the section of peter is suffering as a christian or the fiery ordeal which can be described as refining something so without this process of sanctification and the process of purification both of these are lifelong processes we are not able to grow and mature and ultimately have the godly character we will need to face oppositions and persecutions. I don't always feel like the work that God's trying to do in me is a good work, because I resist it. If we had half of the God-knowledge, whatever you want to call it, to see that he does all things for our good and his glory, we would face opposition head-on. We would lean into persecution. The reason I don't have a lot of experience in persecution is because I don't lean into it. And maybe you're like me. We have this idea of being a free American, I can do what i want i can say what i want i can go where i want i can do what i want when you become a slave to christ and his child you belong to him that's a different tone and it's a different path here's what encourages me it's what paul wrote to the philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So that process of sanctification and purification, lifelong process. We get that when we see him. That'll be the completion. But until that day, we're going to press in and press on. I want to leave you with a poem that I thought was pretty fitting for us to challenge ourselves with Um, but I want to encourage you if I've been praying for the last two weeks that you guys wouldn't see me but you would see God and you would hear his voice and his presence and his spirit drawing you into deeper relationship with him and um, I'm so thankful for the worship team did a great job of leading us into that presence this morning but there's a poem by Ella Wilcox that I thought was pretty fitting. All those who journey, soon or late, must pass within the garden's gate. Must kneel alone in darkness there and battle with some fierce despair. God pity those who cannot say, not mine but thine. Who only pray, let this cup pass and cannot see the purpose of Gethsemane. If there's anything that you need to deal with God about this morning, please don't leave this place until you've made whatever that looks like. If you need to come to the altar and pray, if you need to talk to somebody, please don't let this moment pass. Um, And please, if if people are at the altar, just kind of quietly slip out and let them do what they feel they need to do with our Father. Amen? So, Father God, we commit this word to our hearts your word is your word and we believe it father help us to apply it help us to live it anything that we say and do father let us be cognizant of it that it would bring honor and glory to your name We may be in a situation in our lives God where we haven't made you king of our life maybe we've made you a convenience someone who we can call upon when times are troubled or the testing seems too much for us to bear God, I believe, But I believe your spirit has drawn us to be all in Help us, Father, as we make that stand in our hearts to be all in with you.